Welcome. Thank you for being here this morning. We're so happy that you've joined us to look to Jesus together, to uh, fellowship with one another, and just to, uh, to hear the gospel this morning at Redemption Church. Um, before we get started, I'd love it if you would just say a word of prayer with me. Our Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that you've gathered us uh, together so that we might see Jesus another and through your word and through uh, the singing of these songs and through the taking of communion and through the giving of our tithes and offering and father we i ask that this morning christ would be the center that jesus would be made known that your holy spirit would move in us to hear what you would have heard that our hearts would hear what is the great love that jesus has shown towards us and that we'd be able to comprehend that, that that would enable us to love you and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I pray this morning that you would have said that you want what you want said, uh, that you would say the words. We rely totally on you, knowing that we're totally unable to do anything for good without you. So we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we started this series last week called... Uh, everyday gospel. And Reggie uh, started out just talking about discipleship. And Reggie defined discipleship last week as submitting all of life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ. And we talked about like that all of life being all areas of life, like your marriage, your parenting, your money, uh, and so on and so forth, all areas of life. Uh, submitting all of life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ. So our goal through this series as we go through the next few weeks is uh, to introduce some particular areas of life, to begin to examine them through the lens of the gospel, and to equip you to continue to examine these areas of your life by praying, talking, and studying and practicing with one another. Uh, it's not just that you would come in here and then like hear what we have to say about each area of life. The real goal for this series is that you would take what we talk about in here, it's a beginning to examine these areas of life through the gospel lens and that you would then take that back get with your missional communities get with your neighbors get with your friends get with your family go to coffee go to breakfast and deal with some of these things and talk through them and begin to examine these areas of life through the lens of the gospel pray together talk together study together and practice with one another now we can't we can't cover all areas of life effectively in just a few weeks, but we want to help crack the windows and doors into some areas of life that we feel or believe kind of get passed over a lot when we uh, talk about discipleship in, in, the, in the church. So like, like work, today we're going to talk about work. If we talk about work or your occupation, uh, it's usually in passing, it's, it, it's good. We talk about uh, telling people about Jesus at work or spending time at the water cooler or whatever, and that's good, but maybe... There's more to talk about than just that. If we talk about money, which is kind of hard to do because, you know, it's, it's awkward, and so maybe we don't do it as often as we should, uh, we talk about generosity and giving and tithing, and we need to talk about those things. Those are good things to talk about, but maybe there's more to talk about. Maybe Jesus wants even more areas of your finances. Uh, if we need to examine, we need to examine marriage, we need to examine parenting, we need to examine sex, we need to examine alcohol, eating, exercising, resting, vacationing, and a hundred other things. A hundred other things, everything that we do, all areas of life, need to be examined through the lens of the gospel 
and allowed to change because of that by the work of Jesus. So this, this week we're going to begin, like I said, talking about work. It would be tough to cover even the major areas of our life or all the areas of our life without talking about work because we all work. And we spend a great deal of time working. All right? And I'm not talking about like just if you go to work and get a paycheck and bring it home. We all work. Some of you might just change diapers and clean the house and like take care of the, the home or whatever. That's a, that's a job. That's a work, right? Uh, some people might just volunteer almost all the time. That's still a job. That's still your work. Maybe it's a, I don't know what else it could be. There's tons of things that we could do for work. We're working all the time. We spend lots and lots and lots of hours working. Some of you, it's going to school to get prepared for life and work. We spend lots of time working. So it'd be hard to talk about all areas of our life if we didn't talk about what most of us are doing most of the day, most of the days of the week. Uh, so today we'll start the conversation with a question that was posed to John Piper. And I read this on a, on a blog. I think it was through his, uh, like a, not radio show, but some sort of thing like that. But uh, the question was this, and it was written into John Piper. Would God, would God call you to a career you don't enjoy? Would God call you to a career you don't enjoy? Now, you don't have to raise your hands, but I'm just going to ask you some questions. Does anybody in the room, whether it's cleaning house, mowing the lawn, entering data, serving coffee, does anybody in the room ever dislike their job? One hand. That's good. Um, I said you didn't have to, so that's fine. Uh, does anybody in the room, this is not going to go well, because I was assuming that a lot of you sometimes didn't like your job. Uh, does anybody in the room struggle with enjoying their job almost always? Like it's a pretty consistent thing. You, you don't enjoy your job. Have you ever wondered if God really wants you to be unhappy at work? Like, have you ever been like, I don't think God wants me to be unhappy. This is obviously not the right job for me. God wouldn't put me in a career that I don't enjoy. He wouldn't put me in a, in a position to do work I don't enjoy for the rest of my life. So obviously I'm doing the wrong thing. Uh, so we get the question. Would God put us in a career, a lifelong career that you don't enjoy? I like what John Piper does with this question. He doesn't answer it which I don't know if that's helpful or not. To me, it's very helpful. He doesn't answer it. He changes it. He says, thank you for asking that question. That's the wrong question. Uh, this is the right question. And he says, would God call you to a lifelong work in which he does not enable you to have joy? And then he answers the question. So he, he took it from, would he put you in a career you can't enjoy? And he changed it to, would, would he put you in a career that he doesn't enable you to enjoy? And then he answers, God intends to give his people joy and thankfulness and a sense of usefulness, whatever he calls them to. Paul knew how to be content in every circumstance, he says in Philippians. This is the essence of the Christian life, finding contentment in Christ and turning every circumstance and all of our work into living worship. So this morning, the question that I want us to talk about and answer is what is it that enables you then to take joy and be thankful in all of your work. Because the question isn't if God's going to give you a career you won't enjoy for the rest of your life. The question is, does he, would he do it and not enable you to take joy? And the answer is no. He enables you. So how does he enable you? Um, I'd like to share a passage with you, and then we're going to kind of switch gears this morning and do things a little bit differently. But this passage comes from John 21, uh, verse 15 through 23. And this is Jesus, after his resurrection, he, find, he goes out and he finds some of the disciples, uh, they're, then they're out fishing, right? And then he provides a catch, a whole bunch of fish, and uh, calls them into the shore for breakfast, fish for breakfast. Not my thing, but you know, 
Um, so this is uh, John chapter 21, verse 15 through 23. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to, them, he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. So he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had been reclining at the table close to him and said, Lord, who is it, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. So the saying spread about for the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say that he was not to die, but if it was my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? So there's something very valuable here that I want us to see. Jesus calls Peter to follow him and to feed his sheep. And he tells him that this is going to lead to his death, even. To suffering and death. This is going to end badly for Peter. And he will do, it says he's going to do things that he would not want to do. Uh, then Peter looks over his shoulder. You've got to kind of imagine this, I think. I feel like Jesus is like, I mean, I'm reading into it, so don't, this isn't scripture. But Jesus over the side, kind of like, at this point, like, hey, things aren't going to go well for you, but I want you to follow me anyways, because it, that is good for you. And then, Jesus, and then Peter looks over his shoulder at John, and John's over there. You know, he's heard this conversation, and he's like, oh, what about that guy? <laughs> you know, I mean, I know you're calling me to death. That's not, but what, what are you going to do with him? And Jesus says, what is it to you what I do with him? You follow me. So here's the thing. We, we know that they're both called to the same thing, and that actually we are called to the same thing that they were called, right? To go and make disciples, back, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching all that he commanded. They're, they're all called to this. John's called to that, Peter's called to that, I'm called to that, you're called to do that. We're all called to the same thing. But he tells Peter to follow him in one way, and he tells, he's going to have John follow him in a bit different of a way. So we know uh, they're called to different things. Peter's called to death on a cross upside down, according tr to tradition. John is called to a longer life, maybe not void of suffering, but not to the same extent. They'll go different places. They'll engage different people. They're going to take the gospel there and make disciples. And God calls them both to do that. The joy that they find in their work is not found in that suffering, obviously. It's not the suffering that enables us to enjoy it. But, so the joy is not found in their work in that suffering. It is found in what they are suffering for and who is with them in their suffering. So as we're called to make disciples, I just don't want us to forget that God is with us, even to the end. 
That's in the Great Commission too. That's the good news, right? That means he is with us in the mundane, day-to-day things that we do. He's with us in the washing of the dishes. He's with us in the writing of papers. He's with us in the data entry. He's with us always. And that's good news. With God in everything we, with God in everything we do, we can find joy in our work and circumstances, no matter what. Because we're not left alone to do it and to fail alone. We are invited to join with Christ in the work that he's doing and will have victory in doing. It's interesting that when Jesus calls to them from the shore, when Jesus calls out to Peter and them from the shore when they're out fishing right before this, uh, it says that Peter had to put on his outer garment because he was stripped down for work. The problem isn't that Peter is fishing. It's that Peter is out there fishing without Jesus. Peter is back at work. He's relying on himself to provide. Peter had to eat when Jesus was with him too, but Jesus provided the fish and repurposed Peter's fishing. And he went fishing with him. That's what I want us to start with. Uh, like I said, we're going to change gears a little bit. And uh, I'm going to introduce you guys to Aaron Snow. He's going to join me up here. Where's he at? There he is. Aaron's going to come up and join me for a few minutes, and we're just going to talk about a few things. Uh, if you don't know Aaron and Tiffany Snow, that's his wife, um, they're members here, and they're members of the MC that I'm a part of. They're in my, they live a half a block away from me. We're neighbors. They've become good friends. Well, I still live there. So uh, anyways, <laughs> so... Um, they're good friends of ours, uh, good, great neighbors. They're a blessing to our MC. They're a blessing to our church. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, as I was preparing for this talk today, I was asking lots of people questions about vocation and occupation and what you thought the difference was or calling or purpose and things like that. And we started talking, uh, and then we had a very at-length discussion later on, a couple of hours, two and a half hours or so. I think we sat on his porch and talked. And uh, so... I thought it might be a good idea if we could just kind of talk through those, some of that stuff together and uh, just share that with you guys, and it might be neat to uh, have that conversation with everybody. So thank you for joining me, Aaron. Thank you for uh, being willing to get up here and do this. Um, so uh, like I said, we've had some good conversations lately. We spent uh, several hours talking about some of the stuff and uh, talking about the difference between occupation and vocation and calling and how the two relate to each other and all that. So. Aaron's a big dreamer. If you know Aaron, if you've talked to him at all, you, you know he's a big dreamer. He's got lots of ideas. He's got lots of big ideas, right? And it's awesome. Um, so, uh, but what I wanted to ask Aaron this morning first is, is uh, you, got lots of, you got lots of big ideas, and they're, they're large. What is, uh, I'm forgetting my question, I'm sorry. Uh, can you share a little bit about the things that, what it is that you really love to do what it is that is driving all those things? Um, it, the, the core of, of what I do, I'm going to have to like glance over at my wife because she's going to keep me under time. <laughs> um, I'm just being honest. Um, but the core of what I do is, is something I began about four years ago, um, and that is our, well, five years ago, uh, working with the YDC here in Augusta, the Youth Development Center, um, simple terms, uh, juvenile prison. And uh, youth that have been found guilty and are locked up. And um, at the core of that, uh, I began working on site, mentoring small groups, and um, and just uh, growing into that. And and now um, it's an honor to serve with uh, an organization, a nonprofit called Full Circle Refuge. 
And uh, my role now, of course, is, um, is overseeing the good men that go in every week. Um, and also, uh, we are growing into the role of community-supported transition. That's where young men, young women that are coming from inside the fence are coming back into daily life. And they need help. They need someone to walk alongside them through that process uh, instead of just saying, okay, you're free to go and figure out what life looks like. So that's probably the, uh, the core, the core of all the dreams, all the plans, um, everything that I do here. Awesome. So you go into juvenile prisons. What, is your, uh, what does your wife think about that? Um, well, <laughs> Tiffany, uh, thankfully, is a, a smart woman um, that, that listens to God a little more than I do, apparently, sometimes. Um, because when I first moved here, uh, I would drive by the YDC, and if you don't know where that's at, it's on Mike Padgett Highway. There's Augusta YDC and the RYDC. And I would drive by it, and I would look at the sign, and I'm like, I don't even know what that is. You know, because I, I didn't. I worked with church kids before that, and they didn't get in trouble. You know, they had girlfriends break up with them, and, you know, they, they stole two pills from their mom's bottle and got caught with it. You know, they, it was just little stuff. And, um, and so, finally... She was, I don't know if she was just tired of hearing about it. I don't know what happened, but she was like, why don't you, why don't you apply to volunteer? And um, thankfully, I, I heeded her voice because that is what began the process of being on site and eventually uh, becoming a part of Full Circle Refuge. So she, she's behind it 100%. Um, and and if, you don't, if you don't know her, uh, what I count a blessing in our life, uh, not just as individuals, but as a couple, uh, is that we both um, share a heart for, for what someone called the invisible. Um, you know, her, her role, uh, just so you know, is at East Central Regional Hospital. And one of the things that she does that she loves is community reintegration. And um, so just a side note to all the young couples out there, um, God pairs you with people with similar hearts. So I am blessed to have a wife with a similar heart. Awesome. You just, mentioned, you just mentioned that you both have a heart for what you said were invisible. And I was gonna, what I'm going to ask you is why Full Circle Refuge? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think is the heart behind that passion? Uh, and, that's, and that's what you've kind of shared with me before, is this heart for those who are kind of invisible. What, can you go into that a little more? Um, as far as uh, Full Circle Refuge is, is massive, and one day I'll, I'll share about that here. Um, but, but the area, especially the YDC area, and a little bit of every area is that is what they focus on. Uh, focusing on young men and women. Think about um, when, when a young man, you know, kills a kid. That's all you see on the news here in Augusta, Columbia County for days. You know, it's on the news, it's online. People put it on Facebook. Oh, I know that guy. And then a few days later, nothing. And all of a sudden, his family has forgotten him. The media has forgotten him. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes the church has forgotten him. And, and that is one of our areas, our callings at Full Circle, is to go to the YDC to, to, um, to send and to be good men who, who, uh, who encourage them, who exemplify uh, who they can become, who remind them that there is forgiveness. Um, and and we, have, we have one of our... One of our good men that's been going on for many years going in, uh, he talks about the 80% uh, return rate. That any young person that goes into our system in Georgia, 
returns. It's 80% likely to come back into the system, whether as a juvenile or adult. And he said, I can't live with that statistic. And you can't, once you grasp that, once you accept that, you can't let that go. It won't let go of you. So that is, that is definitely uh, a big part of why I'm a part of Full Circle. Awesome. Um, where do you think, like you're, like you're saying that uh, you're really passionate about it because you have a heart for those who are invisible, those who are forgotten by the community, by the church and all that. Uh, why do you think, or where do you think that comes from in you? Like, uh, what do you think you, why do you think you have a passion for that particular type of people? Um, uh, a big part of it is, big part is, um, growing up, I know this is going to be hard to believe, um, I wasn't popular, um, I had a terrible taste in clothes, and my wife is thankful I figured something out, <laughs> um, you know, um, I was, uh, I have really thick wavy hair, but I grew it out, don't know why my mother let me do that, but she did. And uh, I always tell people, I wore plastic frame glasses before they were popular. <laughs> you know, my mother bought them because they were cheap. You know, that's why now they're like, you know, 100 bucks because they're in style. I'm like, I, had, I bought them because they were like 10 bucks. Um, but I, I wasn't a popular kid in um, middle school. I hated middle school. I still hate middle school. I have flashbacks when I walk in through the door. It's like PTSD. And I'm like, no, don't, don't start calling me names. Um, but it's, I, I grew up unpopular and I grew up invisible. Um, I wasn't the jock. I, I wasn't even the cool, smart kid. I, I was just, I was nobody. I didn't have money. I didn't, didn't have a lot of talent. I just, I was left out. And, um, and so as, as I, I felt that calling to work with youth, to work in the community, um, it was a big part of, of who I became. I realized that there are young people like that every generation that are overlooked, that are unseen. And, um, and I, I couldn't fully grasp that at first because I thought I was just going to be a, a youth pastor. And I, I shouldn't say just because um, it's a very important role. But um, I, I'd grown up in a, a legalistic type church. I grew up in where God loved you, but based on certain rules. You had to read and pray 60 minutes every morning before, you know, you drank coffee or went to the bathroom. Like, you, you, had, to, you had to do it or God was not going to use you. And, um, and I picked up a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel by Brenny Manning. And um, he focuses on the gospel, but he focuses on the grace inside the gospel. He focuses on the fact that God accepts you, no strings attached. You know, the love of God will, will change you, it'll transform you, but he first calls you to come to him. And, and, it, and it, it, it shook everything. It caused me to finally allow myself to run wholeheartedly to God. And because I was able to do that in time, it allowed me to do the same with young people, no matter who they were, no matter where they were, no matter what they had done. Uh, like I said, we've been talking a lot about occupation and vocation and how they relate to each other. So... What we've been talking so far, I think we would, we would define as vocation. Uh, one of the things we tried to say, we tried to define as we were talking about that, like what's the difference between these things? Uh, and we just said, maybe there's a guideline, it may not be perfect, but an occupation is what you do for a living and a vocation is what you live to do. Um, so it's clear to me that you feel a special call to serve those that nobody else is serving, to, uh, to serve those who, like you said, are invisible or forgotten uh, through, whether it's through full circle 
uh, refuge or whether it's through some other avenue in the, in the future that you have a heart for those people. Uh, but let me ask you something about your, what is your occupation? Like, what do you do to pay the bills? What do I pay the bills? Um, um, I, I work at a place called Center for Primary Care. And um, I'm honored. I won't, I won't make her stand up or anything, but my co-worker and supervisor is here this morning. Um, and I appreciate that. But uh, I work, I handle a large part of the credentialing for our medical staff. Um, I have to look, remember everything I do. I handle, I handle the patient relations. It's not, I just handle a lot, of, a lot of different things. I handle the patient relations for our patient portal. Um, I handle, a, I sit on the marketing social media committee. Um, I, I'm going to be this year working with leadership training in our staff, in our facilities. Um, and as everyone knows at CPC, I make coffee. So they say I don't get paid for it. But I make a lot of coffee to not get paid for it. I'm just saying. <laughs> so that's what that's what I do Monday through Friday. Do you ever feel? Uh, and I think I think that a lot of people do feel this. So I want. I'm asking you. Do you ever struggle or feel a tension between your job or your occupation and your calling or your passion, like uh, between those two things? Do you ever struggle or feel a tension between those? Um, I know it's. It, you know it's hard sometimes because you're looking at. 40 plus hours a week going to work, uh, going to a job. And um, if you looking at it in light of, I'm just here to make a paycheck, uh, would definitely cause that frustration. And um, and some mornings are still like that. And I know you asked the question earlier, you know, does anyone not enjoy going to work? And I think a lot of people kept their hands down. Um, I mean, they're all day, even when you love your job, there's some days where you wake up and like it's raining outside and it's a little bit cold. You're like, man, I got paperwork, I got voicemails, I got emails, I got five meetings, or I could just stay in bed and drink coffee and watch, you know, The Price is Right uh, with Drew Carey. I mean, I watch The Price is Right. I don't care what you say. Um, but, but we know that um, it, it's, it's tough, but it, it's true in every sense. It's not just our occupation. Um, even our vocation, you know, how I put in a 10-hour day, um, but then I made a commitment to go, you know, some, to go be with some of our good men at the YDC. And um, I'm wore out and I'm tired. And I'm like, you know, do I go home? Do I just relax a little bit? Uh, you know, did it, do I overexert myself? And, and I, I go to both of these. I go to my job and clock in. I go to the YDC, not because we don't want to disappoint someone or we feel like we're going to let someone down. Uh, we do it because of that compelling, that calling that we know there's, there's a purpose for being there. We know, uh, I know that there's a purpose uh, for me coming in with our good men on Monday or Tuesday night and being alongside them. And I know that there's just as much purpose in me showing up by eight o'clock on Monday morning. And so I, I have to, I have to kind of put that in front of me. And one thing I have to remind myself is that, that money, money does not um, have a lot of strength to compel us as Christians. Money is what we have to do to pay the bills, uh, but that cannot be our motivation. Um, all right, so what do you think you're, I mean, you put a lot of hours in at work, like many people do, and then you have something else that you're pouring hours into throughout the week, and sometimes that happens on the weekends. And we saw like through December where you were, you were going out of town a lot to do some stuff with Full, full Circle. Um, so how do you fit church into that? And what role does church play in in all of this, um, it's 
It is a, uh, it's a, it's a big part, um, and it should be a big part. Uh, and I, I know one of the emphasis that our director uh, uh, puts on it, and um, our executive director, Devin and Son, are here this morning, I appreciate that as well, um, is the not just attendance of church, being a part of a local church body, but the involvement of, um, you know, the, the church is supposed to be a, a supportive community. It's supposed to be um, a place that, that builds us up spiritually, emotionally, physically, and we need that. Um, we need that whether whether we're taking care of our kids, whether we're going to work, um, and whether we're in the mission field, whether it be on the street or inside the fence. Uh, we need that. We have to have it. And uh, one thing I, I I know for sure is that the church is called to be a family and an army. And if you have family, which we all do, if you've been a part of the military, you know that it is it is a commitment that you don't have a choice in. You love your family even when they get on your nerves. Um, you know, we all have family members, siblings especially, that just get grind your nerves. And um, but I, like my little sister, I love her no matter what. Um, if you if you volunteer and go into a military, when they call, you better show up. There is no choice in that. And as a Christian, um, it's the same with our church. We're here. Uh, especially here, man. It's ten forty-five. You know, you can sleep in, go get breakfast, and make it. There's no reason, but um, but we have to have it. We have to be a part of um this church body. And um, if you're here this morning for the first time, it's a great church body. Just a side note. Awesome. Yeah, it it's very important. We talked a lot about this. It's very important uh, that we invest in our relationships and our church family because when we begin to live life together, we actually have the opportunities to point each other to Jesus. Like, and, and you have the opportunity to point me to Jesus. I have the oppor- opportunity to point you back to the gospel. And you know, we're very forgetful people. And as soon as we hear the gospel and walk away, we forget it. You know? and, uh, and so we just have to have this, like, it's not just on Sunday mornings either, right? It's church, like, we get together in each other's homes, we talk, we meet all the time. And, and that's meant to continue to remind each other of the gospel, to continue to point us back to the gospel, to proclaim Jesus to one another because we're forgetful and we need that. Uh, if not, we can easily make our passions, what we think is our calling, into our own thing, take it away from God, forgetting him. Uh, we leave God out of it, we'll accomplish nothing of eternal value and find ourselves back out like Peter in the boat fishing for fish, I thing. Mm. Um, Thanks, Aaron, for coming up. Would you guys give him a round of applause for helping us out? So at the beginning, I asked the question, uh, the beginning of today's talk, I asked the question, what is it that enables you to take joy and give thanks in all of your work? I think the tidy answer is that the Spirit enables us by the good news of the person and work of Jesus uh, to, to see all of our work through his eyes uh, instead of our own, and that enables us to take joy in it. That's the tidy, easy answer, and if you weren't forgetful like I am, then you would remember that every second of every day and there would be no issue at all, but we are. Uh, but I think that the Holy Spirit uses our prayers, that he uses our time in the Word and relationships with others uh, to do that work. And I think that sanctification, uh, the process of becoming more and more like Christ, doesn't happen like that all the time. 
Sanctification is a process, and some things take a while. And I don't expect that this morning you're going to hear us say, enjoy your work, take joy, and be thankful for all of your work. And you're going to walk out the door if you have a bad attitude about work, and all of a sudden have a great attitude about work that lasts forever. You know, I don't really expect that this morning. Um, Because that's just not the way it works. It goes a little slower. But I do think it's important uh, that we... We realize that we are all called to three things. And I think if we will take the time to get intentional to wrestle with these three things, with God in prayer, uh, being, diving into the word with each other, uh, to a better understanding of these three callings, it may help us answer that question, not in word only, like where we can say that the Holy Spirit is who enables us to take joy and give thanks in all of our work, but we'll actually be able to live that out in our action. If we take the time to continue to examine this through the lens of the gospel, with one another, so that we don't forget, so that we have people proclaiming it back to us, always. So the first is this. The first is a general calling. This is a calling that we're all called to. John and Peter were called to the same thing. We're called to the same thing. We're called as children of God to love God, to love others as we love ourselves, and that will make us disciple makers. As Christians, our identity lies in this ultimately Only through Jesus have we become a child of God. And that is who you are. You are a child of God. If you know Jesus, if Jesus has rescued you, if he's brought you, if the Holy Spirit has moved you to believe that Jesus is who he said he is and has done what he said he would do and has drawn you back into right relationship with your Father God, your identity is in Christ. Your identity is a child of God. You're a child of God above everything else. Other things may change, your passions, your hobbies, being single, uh, who you are friends with, where you work, where you volunteer, where you live, what you drive, all those things will change. Bumper stickers will peel off your bumper and you'll no longer be able to identify with those things. Things change. All of these things can change, but through Jesus, you are a child of God and that changes everything, even the ordinary, everyday things in your life. That's the first thing. There's a general calling. You're called to be a child of God. You're called to hear the gospel and then take it to others, to love God and to love others. The second thing is this, and this is more of a specific calling. So there's a general calling, then there's a specific ch- calling. John was called to live, go one way. Peter was called to go another. Um, so we have a specific calling, and your calling may not look like Aaron's. Your calling may not look like mine. It probably doesn't look like either one of those, maybe. Uh, you may not have an organized ministry that you need to pour hours a week into. As a matter of fact, your ministry might look like the very occupation that you are doing. It might look like doing what you're doing. It may look like, uh, you know, changing diapers. Uh, It may look like being a spouse. It's possible that these could even change from one season to another, right? Like I said, things change. But I think it's important that we get to know ourselves and our story in light of the gospel well enough that we can say what or who we feel specifically called to. We all have God-given gifts and talents. I think we need to think about that more. I mean, we're good at saying your identity's in Christ. That's where you get your value, and that is right. That's the first one, general calling. But you have value. He created you for a purpose also. And he's given you specific gifts and talents. And he's given you a story. He's given you a story of how the good news of Jesus Christ has crushed you and has redeemed you. And Jesus wants to use that. Jesus wants to use that so you can be a fisher of men. 
and he is inviting us to follow him in that. So people often think of their specific calling as what they are passionate about, and I, that's a hard word to use, and Wes sent me something this week as a summary of a lecture, it's like a blog summary of a lecture that he happened to be at, uh, and he sent it to me, and I just wanted to share a summary of that with you, and this is what was written there. He, the lecturer, dismantled the idea that there is a this passionate thing out there that you want to do, and if you do it, then everything will be rainbows and sunshine. He spent some time on the meaning of passion and how its Latin root literally means suffering. He spoke of the passion of Christ and how the word is actually appropriate used in that, appropriately used in that context. And then he wrapped up his talk, and he wrapped it up with his challenge to the audience. What are you willing to suffer for? Instead of saying, follow your passion. He said, what are you willing to suffer for? So like I said, our goal over the next few weeks is to begin to examine all of life through the lens of the gospel and equip you to continue to examine these areas of life by praying and talking and studying with one another and having these conversations and practicing these things with one another. One of the reasons I invited Aaron up this morning was just so that we could demonstrate what I want you to do as you leave this place. Go talk to somebody else in your church, in your MC, get your DNA partner, talk to somebody else through these things and be vulnerable with each other. So I challenge you to do this this week. Grab somebody, go get coffee, go get breakfast, do whatever, and take these questions. They're in the bulletin, and you can take those with you and, and, ask, and, go, and walk through those. In light of the gospel, what breaks your heart? Whoa. In light of the gospel, what breaks your heart? And what are you willing to suffer for? How is your life currently being stewarded in that direction? And be vulnerable enough with each other to not have it all figured out when you get there. I don't have it all figured out. None of us have it all figured out. This stuff changes. We are forgetful. I'm going to keep saying that. We're forgetful. We don't have it figured out. We need to be reminded. Be vulnerable enough with each other to not have it all figured out and examine these things through the lens of the gospel. It's a good starting place. Listen to each other. Listen for the gospel working out in each other's stories and be prepared to speak into it where it needs to be spoken into. So we have a general calling, we have a specific calling, and the specific calling has to do with what you're passionate about maybe, but let's define that as what breaks your heart in light of the gospel and what you're willing to suffer for. And the third thing we are called to is this, we all have immediate responsibilities. There are bills to pay, you live where you live, you work where you work, it sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, uh, you play a part in the economy, the garden or the farm that you plant and raise vegetables in, provide me food. The roof that I build might provide you shelter. The children you raise will lead us in the future. Don't spend your life trying to find out a way out of your current circumstances and work so that you can answer your calling. Although I think that if, uh, if an opportunity comes along and it makes sense in light of the, the gospel and, and, your, and your gospel calling, then you should take it, absolutely. But don't spend your life looking for a way out of your current circumstances and work to answer a call. Instead, find a peace in the fact that God is with you and is calling you to steward the life that you're living right now towards your, toward that call. Don't spend your life wondering what Jesus is going to do with John, with the other person. What is it to you? You follow Jesus. That's what Jesus calls to Peter this. What is it to you what I do with John? You follow me. I saved you. This gospel applies to you. You follow me. Every day, follow me. In the ordinary stuff of life, follow Jesus. It takes the or he takes the ordinary and does extraordinary things. 
Chances are, with your gifts and your talents, without his story, you won't really do anything that extraordinary. Nothing with real lasting impact. But with Jesus, he'll take the ordinary, everything, everyday type of stuff, and he'll make it extraordinary. I'm going to close, wrap us up. I'm going to read uh, from N.T. Wright's Small Faith and Great God, and he actually summarizes this scene we read this morning in, in John 21. I'd like to read this to you. And if I get choked up, I'm sorry, because every time I've gone through it, I do. Jesus looks around at Peter's fishing boat and tackle. Peter has gone back to the old life again, unsure what to do with himself next. And Jesus says, Simon, son of John, when I first met you, you were a fisherman, and I called you to be a fisher of humans. You were very happy then to come with me and work alongside me. Now you're back here again. Do you love me more than these? Peter is a bit nonplussed and doesn't know where this is leading, but manages to say, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Well, Jesus says, I have a job for you, feed my lambs. Peter doesn't know what to say to this, but Jesus goes on. And Peter, you remember how you said you would go with me even to death? How even if all the others left me, you wouldn't? It didn't work out like that, did it? I heard you that night, as you know. You told them you didn't even know me. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter hangs his head. There's no denying it now. Yes, Lord, he says, you know that I love you. But Jesus isn't finished yet. There's no point in getting someone to see themselves as they really are if you're not going to show them where to go from there. Don't you see, Peter, he says, that's not the end of the story. Peter, the next day they took me outside the city and they crucified me. They watched me die while you hid away somewhere. But, you, <laughs> but don't you see what it means? I was despised and rejected by everybody. I had nothing but darkness and pain and death. But Peter, I bore all your griefs. I carried all your sorrows. I was wounded for your transgressions. I was bruised for your iniquities. Upon me was the punishment that made you whole. As they beat me, you were being healed. You were straying away like lost sheep, Peter. But God laid on me the punishment for all of your sin. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter, feeling that, feeling that the tears in his eyes tell the truth anyway, says, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And Jesus goes on to tell him of the new life he must lead, a life of serving God, a life of suffering and death, a life of following the master. The story hardly needs applying further. Christian faith begins, or it may begin, with understanding what Peter understood that morning. It is as we see Jesus dying so that his people need not die, completing on the cross the work of salvation, wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities that we see clearly the love that God has for us. It is also the point at which we begin to love God in return. So I think it's important this morning as we talk about calling and vocation and work to remember that our ultimate calling is to love God and to love others as ourselves. And that without Jesus, we cannot do that. We're all just like Peter. We're making promises that we can't keep. As we remember this, we remember that our identity isn't in what we, are, what we can do for Jesus. It's in what Jesus has done for us and what he's inviting us to do with him. So over the next 60 seconds... We're just going to have just a time of reflection, a time for you to maybe just try to pick out one thing from this morning.
that'll help you in the conversation through the week because I really want you to do that. Just take, uh, just take the 60 seconds, write down one takeaway from today. What is one thing that you need to wrestle with? And I'm begging you to go grab coffee or breakfast or whatever you need to do and go there with each other. Let somebody else in and be willing to step in for somebody else.